The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Welcome to a brand new episode of Tyler's Takedowns, presented by the SJP World Media Network. I'm your host, Tyler Peters. Thank you for joining me for this sixth edition of the program. I'm going to be discussing some AEW Wrestle Dream that emanated live from Seattle, Washington on Sunday night, October the 1st, just this past weekend as I'm recording. i got to get a little more excited. What's the matter with me? And with all due respect, I didn't get a chance to review the uh, zero hour before the actual match card began. It was just a lot. So, hey, I'm doing good to have the discussion with my review concerning Wrestle Dream itself, presented by All Elite Wrestling. Tony Khan, I want to commend him for honoring Antonio Anoki as they celebrated the one-year anniversary since his sad passing. But what a way to pay tribute to Mr. Anoki. Definitely a pioneer for professional wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it or phrase it. It doesn't matter to me. Actually, it does. I still prefer wrestling. I, I guess I wasn't truthful and honest. You'll get a little humor. You'll you'll hear a lot of different sides of uh, your host here with Tyler's takedowns. But there was a lot of good wrestling. There was a lot of uh, different elements. It definitely had a buffet, if you heard my uh, advertisement, regarding this very program. I like to use the old school words, so you'll hear that probably on repeat a lot, is what I'm trying to get out. So let's get to the main card. It was MJF versus The Righteous for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Titles. Remember, Adam Cole has heard he's injured, taking on this very dark team that has a lot of mystique about them when talking about Vincent and Dutch. They represent The Righteous. I know there's a lot of R's in that statement. MJF came out. He, he knows he's outnumbered, but let's just give this guy his due. MJF is so good on the mic. He cuts a promo. He runs them down. He's not afraid to fight. He's everybody's scumbag as he's referencing the people. The fan reaction is always so positive and overwhelming, actually, for Maxwell Jacob Friedman, as I'll say his whole name. And the righteous... Uh, what I like that AEW is doing, this is where I want to be a little more positive in the approach when uh, doing these recaps, in other words, when depicting these uh, type of pay-per-views or television shows, or if we get to look at a, you know, a lot of variables with professional wrestling. Just like WWE Impact, a lot of promotions are doing this correctly. They're trying to promote the younger talent, even talent that have a following they are known especially with the Ring of Honor brand. So it made sense because I, I believe that both Dutch and Vincent spent time in Ring of Honor. So the Ring of Honor fans can help me out. That's why I appreciate your feedback, your response. But what it was, what the promo that MJF was uh, conveying to the audience, to us the viewers, to the fans in Seattle who were attending, watching the event live when talking about WrestleDream, he gave a promo claiming he wasn't responsible for what happened to, to Jay White on the go-home edition of Dynamite leading into this pay-per-view. Uh, MJF was stating his innocence. 
And I'll tell you, MJF, he's so good in the ring that he made this work. And, and give Vincent and Dutch a lot of credit. They are the righteous, uh, not the righteous we think of, because these guys are are very, I don't want to say they're completely evil, but they're, they're definitely bizarre. They're, there is something about them I, I can't really uh, comprehend yet, which I enjoy. I think that's good. We're still needing to do our homework, our preparation, when even learning, understanding uh, these different characters in wrestling. Uh, Dutch and Vincent, naturally, they've got the numbers game two on one. They they jump MJF. They attack him. Of course, MJF is also the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, not only one half of the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions alongside Adam Cole. And MJF had to show uh, more of his hillside by uh, grabbing the crotch. I mean, he knew he had to find his uh, place of desperation is what I'm trying to get at going against a team like the Righteous. But in the end, MJF would win the match, so he retained both the Ring of Honor Tag Team Tunnels and did it in honor of Adam Cole. He did it in just tremendous fashion, did MJF. And once again, I want to give a lot of credit to the Righteous, to Dutch and Vincent. I like what I'm seeing. I don't have time to really respectfully critique them just yet. But I, I enjoyed what I saw. It's what I'm getting at, if you can follow along with the host here, which I think you can. You're probably smarter than me, if uh, truth be known. And next, we get a match that, personally, I found was very entertaining. It was physical. It was intense. If you paid attention to the last episode where I was discussing NXT No Mercy, intensity seemed to be a theme. And it sure was here, just in a different way because it, the presentation still was a little different, even though I could draw a lot of contrast, meaning similarities with uh, a lot of these matchups. But it was Eddie Kingston taking on Shibata. I'm not even going to try to pronunciate his first name. I've got to practice it, so forgive me. I'm not fluent in Japanese, and uh, I'm not one of those wrestling fans that have studied the pronunciations, and I need to do better. Hey, listen, there's always room for improvement. I hope if you're giving me a Dave Meltzer rating or, or grading me like you see on a lot of these uh, reviews of these wrestling shows that you'll give me maybe a D or C. I, I'm not sure I deserve a B or a B plus if we're going by school grading. However, what I can tell you, this was for the ROH World and New Japan Pro Wrestling Openweight Tunnels. Both these gentlemen are champions, well-respected, you could say regarded revered use all those words a lot of words with r there, there seems to be, i guess ring of honor seems to be a another uh theme here kingston and shibata met and i think the only match that they faced each other from what i gather defending you know two titles from two different promotions they started out with exchanging strikes i mean they they didn't waste any time i mean it was a lot of uh immense shots the match was built on their mutual respect of one another I mean, they were looking to punish each other, is what it boils down to. And the bout was a great tribute to Anoki, Antonio Anoki. I mean, this was the basis for why Tony Khan and all elite, all elite wrestling wanted to have this show. And I mean, they made it clear this was to honor the legacy of Anoki and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I found myself just lost in what these guys were telling me in the story as it involved this matchup. It was definitely hard-hitting. But in the end, Kingston would retain both the titles with a powerbomb. I thought this match was off the charts. I love Eddie Kingston, and I 
I am just enamored by Shibata. The more times I see him, you can tell my my voice is even getting excited. I, I'm such a fan. I mean, I, I'm a supporter of uh, a lot of what AEW, WWE, all of these brands are doing. Impact, NWA, New Japan. I mean, you name it. And and what a lot of people are able to do on the independent circuit. I, I think it's valuable. It's important to to give them their due. I like Shibata. He's to me. He's very versatile. He's kind of like Dakesha. He, he's got a, a lot of these guys coming from Japan are are proving their worth and value when they are able to come over to North America or to a, another country and and show out like this. And it it takes the opponent too, like an Eddie Kingston. And I can't say enough good things about Mr. Kingston, and I'm glad to see him win the match. But I wouldn't have hated it if Shibata would have won. I'll tell you that that's why it was so good and compelling. Next up, we get the uh, TBS Championship matchup: Chris Statlander versus Julia Hart. I like the upside to Julia Hart and Chris Statlander. I, th- I think we can tell the upsides there because Statlander's the TBS champion for the women's division. It was on the line. Statlander would defend the belt against Hart, and uh, Julia Hart had a lot of momentum. She had Brody King by her side. He accompanied her. Of course, she is a member of the House of Black. Recently, I saw the pictures. Uh, it, it's amazing to me the transition of characters. Remember, she started out with uh, that cheerleading gimmick with Brian Pillman Jr. and uh, Griff Garrison. I think what were they? They went to Varsity Club. That was back with Kevin Sullivan, but. Or maybe it was. A lot of the fans can help me out. I should have done a little bit better research. That's on me. But anyways, Julia Hart, the transformation to this kind of dark gothic character has really intrigued me, I'll tell you. And I, I want to hear from you. Has it interests you, this whole, uh, the, the see the character development? And I think of Statlander coming out of the alien type gimmick into more of this, to me, more of a serious kind of bad-to-the-bone lady that's going to tear you apart. She's got the size in a good way, uh, in tremendous physical condition, but she's tall, lanky. That played out uh, in this matchup, and I just liked a lot of things about it. Uh, Brody King was definitely getting in Statlander's face, which I thought was something to behold. It's hard for me to find the words. I just like the interaction. Maybe that's it, of the way that Brody King and Statlander were, you know, talking each each other some of that smack talk, the trash talk, if you will. And it brought the best out of each lady. I, I think it, you know, Hart and Statlander worked hard. They showcased what they could do. But in the end, I think you do have to keep the momentum with Statlander. But I could see Julia Hart doing a lot of a, just incredible things, as she already has, to be honest with you, uh, when speaking of Miss Julia Hart. But in the end, Statlander does retain the TBS Women's Championship. Another solid matchup. I liked it a lot, I'll tell you. Next, we have the Guns versus the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers versus Hook and Orange Cassidy. It's a fatal four-way match that will determine the next number one contender or number one contenders, plural, because it is a tag team matchup or four tag team titles. Can I get my thoughts correct? I'm even having to laugh at myself. And we all know it's FTR. It's Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler who are currently the AEW Tag Team Champions. You know, Hook and Orange Cassidy make a unique tandem. You know, you see the interviews where they're eating the the Lay's potato chips with uh, Renee Paquette backstage. I'm not hating the dynamic with uh, Cassidy and Hook. It's not always my cup of tea, maybe my my cup of coffee. I mean, if you truly know me, I'm a big coffee drinker. 
But I digress. Let's get back to the point. Orange Cassidy and Hook, you know, Hook brings that that kind of amateur background or, you know, doing the suplexes similar to what his dad Taz was doing in ECW, the WWE. And you look at Orange Cassidy, he surprises you. He can actually work when he wants to. I know he does the whole pocket deal. It's all part of the gimmick. But they may have something with Orange Cassidy and Hook, and it looks like if you've watched past Wrestle Dream, they're continuing to stay with them as a team. Uh, the Young Bucks, we all know what they can do. Uh, I've been critical of them, if you've listened to the all-in review, but I still try to be fair. Uh, but Matt and Nick Jackson, for what they can do, is impressive. Uh, the Lucha Brothers, I would say the same, even though it's still a different style. A lot of the high-flying, innovative, creative type offense, it's not for everyone. I know a lot of the uh, traditionalist type fans kind of roll their eyes at these type of teams, but hey, for what they're able to accomplish, I have to show them some love, even though I've been critical of the Young Bucks, for example. But it's all about trying to be positive, but giving fair and, and reasonable critiques at the same time. But we all know the Young Bucks would go on to win the matchup, so we're going to get another match between FTR and the Young Bucks. So the rubber match was not going to be the finale. We're going to have another one between the, the Jacksons and Wheeler and Harwood. So, hey, looking forward to it. They make it work, and FTR is so good they can work with any style. So it's still going to be a good one. Next, I think, was probably one of my favorite matches. Uh, Swerve Strickland in his hometown, or at least grew up close to Seattle, so it's a homecoming for Swerve. Prince Nana doing the dance is is just great. I mean, the, the audience gets the fans going. They're pumped up. That, that's what you need. Uh, Nana does that. Uh, you know, Adam Page, I've, he wrestled a good match. I've also not been the biggest fan, but I will give the man his due. Uh, him and Swerve were able to compel everybody. It was definitely a grudge match. There was a lot of uh, just unreal selling. And it was based on personal issues, and, and that's what wrestling entails. So I, I think they did a nice job of uh, betraying that. And the crowd turned on Hangman. It, it was definitely pro-Swerve Strickland being in his home area, the, the state of Washington, around the, the Seattle area, the whole region is what I'm trying to get at. So right away, it was an interesting dynamic because you had Hangman becoming not the babyface, but the heel. They had to kind of do the match in this way. And, and Swerve Strickland was working on the, the hand, the arm of Hangman Page. Because remember, it's all about that buckshot lariat. It's a clothesline that where Page uses the ropes, he goes over it and then delivers it. And he would he would nail Swerve Strickland, but Strickland, thanks to Nana, would have to still cheat, even though he became the babyface, he still resorted going back to the hill. And in the end, I'm not going to break it down always, uh, full commentary. However, Swerve Strickland does get the win, which I think is important. You've got to build Swerve up. I mean, this guy has definitely got charisma. He's got a lot of uh, the essentials. Nothing against Hangman Adam Page, but you need to put over Swerve Strickland, and this will continue. I think we're going to get another rematch in the future. I think Full Gear. I think Full Gear is the next pay per view, so maybe we'll see it then, or an episode of Dynamite Collision. Who knows? But I, I hope we do it because after watching it, I, I like these guys' chemistry together. Uh, talking about it, Hangman Adam Page and uh, Swerve Strickland. But 
I'm glad to see Swerve get the victory. Next up, we uh, get Ricky Starks versus Wheeler Yuta, and John Moxley was on commentary. At first, this is not just a knock, John Moxley. I wasn't very fond of his commentary. I think you can have too many, but I do understand why they, they sub them out. It, we saw that at All In, and I, I'm not sure about All Out because i got to admit I didn't get a chance to watch the All Out pay-per-view. I, I did All In in London. That's why I have to reference it because they were doing something similar here. Uh, but great to see Jim Ross. But once it got to be color commentary where you explain more of the holds and moves, I think Moxley improved. It got better. And he was entertaining. I mean, his voice kind of got on my nerves, but I, I'm not trying to not Moxley. If that makes sense, it may seem that that way, but I've I've got respect for him, whether he's a, a favorite or not. I, I'm trying to give him a fair assessment, even with commentary. And I, I think it, it was you could tell Excalibur and Taz and Tony Schiavone when he was in was having fun. Uh, Nigel McGinnis, I love Nigel McGinnis on commentary, uh, just absolutely terrific uh, when broadcasting. Conveying the stories, especially for the Hills, uh, just a tremendous talent. I know I overuse some of these words a lot, but I can't help it. You're going to probably hear them a lot more, let me tell you. But I like the aggression by Starks. We know Yuta gets it from the Blackpool Combat Club. But in the end, Big Bill shows up to distract Yuta, and Starks would uh, hit the Tornado DDT. And then Starks follows it up by hitting a spear on Wheeler Yuta for the win. and. No disrespect to, to Wheeler, but Starks is the guy. This guy can make it anywhere, and maybe he's going to go to WWE, but I hope for AEW's sake and their their fan base, which I'm a fan of all these promotions, I wouldn't mind to see either way. Or, I mean, if he does jump to WWE, if he don't, if he stays put in AEW, I think it's a win-win. Ricky Starks is the future. He it just keeps getting better and better. I think Jim Ross pointed it out on the broadcast. And next up, I said Adam Hangman Page in Swerve Strickland was a favorite match, but one that may be better, and I think has to be if you love technical wrestling, the scientific form of the, the sport that became more entertainment, hence the term sports entertainment. But I still prefer, actually, I like wrestling. I'm from the South, the Southern part of the United States. Well, why not let's just call it good old-fashioned wrestling? But it's wrestling, sure. Just having some fun. I, I never made it on late night, you can tell, or even early morning. That, that was a bad joke. It wasn't even a joke. It was so terrible. But let me continue. Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. We know these guys are masters at their craft. Technically, it was an instant classic. I love how they were both trying to win the match. You saw the transitions were so fluid and smooth, the way that Danielson would kick, the way that Zack Sabre Jr. did the uppercut to the arm was just a great visual. I mean, very painful, too, to observe, and you could just feel it in the, in the way that Nigel would cheer for Zack Sabre Jr., the heel, and John Moxley would cheer for the babyface, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Good to see him. He, he grew up in Seattle. I mean, it's good to see him like I knew him. I, I was his next-door neighbor. That was kind of funny. But I, I was saying that he grew up in the Washington State area. To see Aubrey Edwards, happy for her. She was in the crowd. I did not realize this till I saw the meme, that she was there when Brian Danielson, back in the WWE, had to retire. Very sad. And now look at... Brian Danielson now. I mean, go watch the promo afterwards and hear a little bit of what Zack Sabre Jr. said. But let's get back to the match. But 
that made me kind of segue to it already. But to see kind of the facial expressions, it, it was a clinic, no doubt about it. And to see these guys have the dream match, that's what everybody, especially New Japan AEW, and I think a lot of promotions would love to see these uh, these technical wizards. It, is wizards kind of nerdy? That, that may not have been good. Maybe technical masters. I don't know. Maybe people would, would like it. I'm not sure. Sing your hate tweets for that comment, the Wizards. Oh my gosh, what what was it? Was what is it? I can't get my words out. Nardia. I, I don't know. I'm, but anyways, let's get back. Danielson would win the match. Uh, it was just. It's really hard to put into words and sum it up. This match was off the charts. Uh, I hope Meltzer gave it ten stars. Heck, I'm going to give it like twenty or thirty. Or 50. It, it was just uh, tremendous. It, it was terrific. Let me change up the wording. It starts with the T. I've said tremendous enough. It was fantastic. There we go. Terrific. Fantastic. Whatever. I hope you're hearing the passion, though. There we go. Once again, probably my favorite match. And then after it was uh, between Swerve and Hangman would be the other one. Then we go to another very entertaining matchup that had physicality. The Don Callis family versus Chris Jericho and the Golden Lovers. That would be Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, taking on the Spanish guy, Sammy Guevara, Takeshita, and Will Ospreay. I like the uh, the work that Don Callis has been doing. You talk about getting heat, being a heat magnet. That's Don Callis. Fits him to a T. But Omega and Osprey start off the match with a nice exchange. These guys definitely have a pass, just like Jericho, Osprey, Guevara, and Jericho, Takeshna, and Omega, and Callus with Jericho. So there's a lot of moving parts that tie in. That's what's uh, so fascinating, even with wrestling at times. But we got the Ocho, Jericho just reinventing himself. I just can't say enough uh, good things about Chris Jericho. Kenny Omega has just won me over the more I see him. Sure, I'm not into all the, the high-flying stuff all the time. You can't deny or take away he or Osprey's abilities in the ring. Takeshita is definitely a star. I'm glad they are pushing him. And with Callus, this faction has worked wonders for it. And uh, to know that Takeshita and Kenny were once friends, like I'm saying, not so much always the moves, but even the story in the match and the story outside the ring, all factoring in, which I, I think is always a good thing. So it was just a, a fun match. Callus would use Jericho's own bat. He used to name it Floyd, and it, it would backfire on Jericho as Callus would use it to hit him and help Guevara pin Chris Jericho to win the match. So, hey, I'm happy. For the Don Callis family, the baby faces don't always have to go over. It's good to have the Hills win. I think we kind of understand this as wrestling fans, even outsiders looking in, because I don't want to claim like I know it all. We can only give our perspectives, but we can do it in a positive way. But it wouldn't be as entertaining. I, I know if we didn't kind of let loose and unload, I, I get it. So like I, I stated, another entertaining matchup. Now we're going to the AEW tag team titles. That championship matchup was that featured FTR versus Ozzy Open. Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. I mean, they are just one of the best tag teams, if not the best tag teams, at least of the contemporary era. Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher, I like these guys of Ozzy Open. They they have impressed me. And Ozzy Open, they're hungry. And what better way than to get an opportunity at Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler? 
the Seattle crowd was uh, big on FTR. When that music hits, uh, there's always going to be a good pop. It's not always about the reactions. I, I digress, but it is cool. Uh, Ozzy Open, what, what can I say? This match definitely got time. There was a lot of false finishes. It built anticipation, but in the end, FTR retained the titles, the AEW World Tag Team Championships, with a shatter machine on Kyle Fletcher of Ozzy Open to retain those titles. So another fantastic matchup, FTR and Ozzy Open. Now we're going to the main event. Christian Cage, the TNT champion, defends against Darby Allen. Two out of three falls match. The match would see... Christian Cage come out, but send Luchasaurus away. Came out first, giving Darby Allen the hometown entrance. Another guy from Seattle. So another homecoming. And uh, Christian Cage has been so good as a heel. I love the character development. And this, talk about reinvention of a character. Christian Cage has delivered. Uh, this was a brutal match. Darby Allen would take all kinds of just sick bumps. I mean, talk about the steel chairs. I, I know I'm kind of... Speeding up things here a little bit, but I like how Darby, you know, going back was aggressive, got the first fall, and then Christian would take a count out, which would be a fall for him. So it was evened out. But then in the end, Christian Cage would get the second fall and win the matchup, thanks to uh, Nick Wayne of all people turned his back on Darby Allen. And and the thing between Christian Cage and and Nick Wayne's mom was hilarious, but she turned him down and threw a drink or water in his face. I'm, I'm trying to recall the moments. But Christian Cage, Darby Allen, I, I've liked this rivalry. You can debate the danger and recklessness of Darby Allen, but it, it was a, a nice way to end the show. It wasn't my favorite match, but it had a lot of uh, unique elements about it. And we see, uh, you know, that, that stair spot was brutal on the still steps where Cage slammed Darby Allen. I'll go back to that point. And the little nuances of uh, Christian Cage applying the Scorpion Deathlock, uh, you know, because Sting is the mentor to Darby Allen. Darby Allen also hit, hitting, pardon me, the Scorpion Death Drop. And then the, seeing the ring get taken apart, at least the mat, and seeing the boards and it get brutal, uh, that was for sure different, certainly. But like I said, it would be uh, about Christian Cage retaining Nick Wayne, betraying. And then they would proceed to attack Darby Allen. Sting would come out and help, and then Luchasaurus would come out, and then the numbers were too much for Sting. And it looked like we were going to get a concerto, the double steel chair shot by Christian Cage on the Sting. And then all of a sudden the lights go out, and we see this video of a person driving a car. People can already kind of tell who it is. And then it gave it away with the clue of rated R superstar as it's kind of driving locally in Seattle there in this muscle car. And then all of a sudden it's Beth Phoenix's voice who we later found out is doing the intro, but it's still the same music. It's edges theme music and edge comes out. He teases, he's going to join Christian cage, but he ends up saving sting from the concerto and then hits Nick Wayne in the back with a steel chair and then throws a steel chair at Luchasaurus. And then, Ducks a clothesline by Luchasaurus and spears him as Christian Cage escapes out of the ring. And the, the place just went nuts. But there you go. That's my AEW Wrestle Dream Review. This has been Tyler's Takedowns. I'm your host, Tyler Peters. You can find the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But until the next time, I'm saying farewell for now. I hope you enjoy what I'm doing. I actually did another review of modern wrestling. So there you go. And then we'll get 
to doing some old school. But this has been Episode 6 of Tyler's Takedowns. 